CBDC is the only bank dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurs. That's why we're proud to support women entrepreneurs with the Thrive Podcast, providing startup women with the support and resources they need to start and grow their business. Here to connect you with the leading Canadian organizations helping women entrepreneurs. It's Janice McDonald on the Thrive Podcast. You're listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. On this show, we connect you with leading innovators, change makers, and organizations helping women to own it in entrepreneurship. The Thrive Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada, the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. I'm your host, Janice McDonald, president of the Beacon Agency and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs. We are thrilled to have Shauna Tregana on the show today. Shauna is an entrepreneur, community builder, and digital guru. She is the founder and director of the Ottawa chapter of the Founder Institute, a world-class global accelerator that supports members from ideation to growing successful, long-lasting companies. Since 2009, the Founder Institute has graduated over 400 women-led companies across six continents. In addition to supporting other entrepreneurs to grow their businesses, Shauna started started a digital marketing agency six years ago with a focus on social media marketing. As marketing and tech became increasingly intertwined, Shauna knew that to succeed, she would need to do something drastic to stay competitive. In mid-2017, she partnered with and had her company successfully acquired by Ottawa's fastest-growing mobile, web, and next-gen technology agency, Iversoft. Welcome to the show, Shauna. Thank you so much for having me. We have a lot we're going to cover today. Um, You're going to talk to us about your areas of expertise, which I understand are validating early stage startups, digital marketing, apparently enjoying red wine, (laughs) and napping. Yes, Yes. Yes. So I see why we're friends. So what's the key message you hope our listeners take away from our conversation today? Um, Well, one of the big things that I wish I had learned early on and that I'll touch on in a few um, points as we go through this is, Number one, you don't know what you don't know. And so surrounding surrounding yourself with people that can help you and share their knowledge and point you in the right direction is hugely valuable. Um, So, you know... You can be an incredibly intelligent person, a very, very smart person. But if you don't know what you don't know, you don't even know what the right questions are to ask sometimes. Um, And so I find having the right people around that know, um, that have been there, that have gone through things, that have different perspectives are invaluable if you're trying to um, change something in your life, change something in the world, change something in the ecosystem. So that's probably my biggest takeaway is um, people are just as important as your idea and your drive um, and anything else that you're trying to do in the world. 
And do you have a to you have a special network that you want to recommend or or you know a way to approach finding the right people to surround yourself with? Absolutely, like there are so many great organizations in Ottawa, in Canada, across the world. Um, you know. If you don't know where to find them, you just go to places like Meetup. You go to Eventbrite and you search for whatever um, type of group of people that you want to find. Um, I'm a big supporter of collect three mentors, collect mentors in general, but okay. always have three mentors for anything that you want to get feedback on. Okay. So let's say you want to grow a business. Yeah. Um, go and find at least three people that you can bounce your ideas off of. So maybe that means going to meetup.com or Eventbrite or, you know, Startup Canada and find Finding out what are those events in your community that mm-hmm. you can go to to find people that are like that. But also it's the same in different parts of your life. So if you want to find people that are going to be able to give you more influence on how you can find balance in your life, go to those events, find those people who have figured it out, learn from them, not just one person, because maybe they're not going to be completely in simpatico with you. But mm-hmm. if you find three or more people that you can draw from their expertise, then you can pick and choose which items you like from their ideas, incorporate your own and come up with a well-informed formed new direction, um, you know, for wherever you want to go with those things in your life. So network, connect with people. And if you can't find the people you're looking for, don't be afraid to ask people, Hey, can you introduce me to someone? Um, people are fantastic connectors if you give them the opportunity. So the first thing is to be brave and say what you need to say, ask for the help that you need. Wonderful. Okay. So let's talk about your involvement in Canada's startup community. How long have you been involved? How did you sort of find yourself as uh, an expert in this? And with that, what's your advice for our listeners, you know, to engage? Like you you told us around the meetups and the entrepreneurship, but beyond that, um, you know, you're, you're part of this big community. How did it happen for you? What's the origin story? Great. So I love telling this origin story because I think um, it's so, so many people can relate to it. When I started my entrepreneurial journey, it's, I started by accident. I was a corporate, um, a corporate person, and I had a skill set that I was able to start doing some consulting on the side. I was into social media super early, um, and that consulting on the side spun off accidentally, not on purpose, not structured, <laughs> into okay. a business. All right. Because people kept saying, I want to hire you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, hey, awesome. we heard you know how to do this thing. Can you do it for our business? Right. And I had a full-time day job. I had all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I started doing it on the consulting side, but I knew nothing about running a business. I knew nothing about how to scale a business, how to set pricing, nothing. I, even though I knew the skill that I had uh-huh. this business magically being built around, uh-huh. I had no idea about the the mechanics around a business. And um, even in that example, so your skill was already being, um, you already being paid for it in your corporate life. Yeah. So you wouldn't know how to take that to market exactly. or in how to value it. And we hear this a lot from women entrepreneurs. So what, where did you turn and how did you, how did you figure out, hey, here's my pricing model. And yeah, so um, going through that process, once once I started, had this side business, um, and then I even had a client um, turn to me and say, hey, I'd like to invest um, in your business, but only if you do it full time. And that actually gave me the freedom to go full time. So I was actually a funded startup this very is an early unusual on. unusual story. Very, very you, unusual. So what kind of a client, mm-hmm. so that our listeners know who to who to be looking for, mm-hmm. you know, how, how is that replicatable if possible? Um, how do you replicate that? It's actually not that odd. When we talk to, so through the Founder Institute, we, and through... 
um, you know, Startup Ottawa, we've worked with so many mentors that have shared their stories. Mm-hmm. And one of the big questions we get from our from our audience members, from founders that are coming in, from aspiring entrepreneurs, one of the big questions is, how do I find a partner? How do I find a co-founder? And you would be surprised. Um, I'm not surprised anymore, but you would be surprised how many people um, were out selling stuff, were out um, recruiting, were out networking. And it was somebody who was interested in their product and service because they understood that they had that need and they already had a business. And so then they offered to invest in or partner with. And that is where a lot of these, um, you know, partnerships and and co-founder relationships um, and acquisitions and mergers take place because uh, it is really tough to find to find a co-founder so um, or a business partner. And as much as I thought that was super weird at the time, um, that's actually a fairly common um, story that I've heard from many other successful businesses later on, that if you do cool things and you go and you sell it um, and you sell it well, then your clients will not want you to go away right. to right. the point where they will invest in you more than just as a as a partnership. Not all the time, no. but it's not as rare as some people originally think when they when they initially think about it. And so how so next step then, how did you know how to ask for what you needed or how did you even determine I think I need X? Right. So um I was sort of setting that story up in that, uh, yeah, I had this skill that was in high demand. I was funded. I had clients. Um, you would think that's the dream that, oh, magically, I'm going to be an overnight success. But after like we went and we, we built the company and hired a bunch of people, time went by, things weren't actually growing. And I was like, why? I've got all the tools. I've got everything, um, you know, ran into a bunch of roadblocks. And two years in. And, and by roadblocks, do you mean cash flow? Cash flow. We ran <laughs> into that's often everything. The roadblock, yeah, right? we had absolutely everything. We ran into issues through contracts. We ran into issues with taxes. We ran into issues with hiring. We ran into issues with physical space. We ran into like just absolutely everything because I didn't know what I didn't know. Okay. And I had no idea how to run a business. I knew how to do marketing. I didn't know about contracts. I didn't know about taxes. I didn't know about all this other stuff. And I didn't even know to ask about it in a lot of cases. So two years in, um, where I should have been set up to have a super successful company, uh, I was almost failing. And I had sat down and written the letter to my business partner saying, I'm sorry I wasted your money. I'm sorry I wasted your time. I I don't think I can do it anymore. How do we stop this? Um, and I didn't send it. I wrote it, mm-hmm. but I didn't send it. And as I procrastinate, um, as I do when I'm normally procrastinating, I was hanging out on Facebook and seeing what was going on. And this posting came by saying um, there was an event that night for uh, what was called startup drinks. And I thought to myself, I need a drink (laughs) and maybe I can learn something from this. Like maybe this is a sign, right? Maybe this is what, maybe this is what I need. So I walked into that event and it, that event changed my life. That was a startup Ottawa event. I had never really gone out and networked before. I had never really gone out and talked to other people who ran businesses outside of trying to pitch them to um, buy my services. But that night I sat down and started having vulnerable conversations with other entrepreneurs saying, these are my challenges. These are my problems. Um, these are my successes. These are my tips. And it was amazing to sit there in a room very casually with a whole bunch of people that were just like me. I had never had that experience before. I had never sat in a room with a whole bunch of people going through the same things, the same challenges that had the same dream as me. And that night changed 
everything. I started going to every single Startup Ottawa event. Um, I learned so much. I started learning about those things because as other people are sharing their stories, I'm learning what are the questions I should be asking? What are the tools I should be using? Who are the people I need in my network? Who else do I need to talk to? And that's how I was introduced to someone that helps me with my pricing. They're like, well, here's one of your problems. You're like undercutting everybody and you're offering a premium service. People aren't valuing you. And you know, you're not, you're not actually giving yourself enough runway to, to do the things you want to do because your pricing's all out of whack. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, how Thanks. do you price things? Right. <laughs> right. And like, right. I didn't so, even know. So they gave you that, that really hands-on knowledge yeah. to, to adjust price. And you know, we hear this a lot, especially when with young startups, right. Mm-hmm. Not understanding your true value. And, and it's often related to, to the confidence around, oh, will someone want to buy my stuff? Well, if I keep the price low, they will. But that's not that's not, a, not the case. That's not a recipe, a recipe for success. For success. It no, is it very is much a recipe for failure, especially if it's a premium service. Right. Yeah. So you found your community, mm-hmm. you found the support you needed, yes. and then you start to get a sense of the questions that you needed to ask. Yes. And, and so that so you're at the two year mark. You're at the almost like it's over. And so things started to turn around. They did. Within six months of getting involved in the Startup Ottawa community and the startup community in Ottawa in general, it was night and day. It was absolutely incredible. I just became addicted to getting out and networking, talking to people, and it became valid. Like I was like, how do I give back to this community? And so for me, it was really about, okay, everything I learned, I need to give to these people as well because they have saved me and helped me so much. And I got so many business referrals, like quite a few of our clients that we still have today. I met through organizations, um, like doing these networking events and actually talking about where we were vulnerable in our community or not our community, but our business, um, what our challenges were. And someone was willing to help and then said, Hey, you know what? You seem real. You seem like you really get it. You're asking the right questions. I want to work with somebody authentic and smart. That's trying to drive and trying to push stuff like that. Um, because you get it. And we got a lot of clients like that. And we were also able to push a lot of boundaries from a technology perspective, which was awesome. That's fabulous. So we hear a lot, um, especially as we've been talking to experts in the ecosystem for women entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurs in general, how important it is to start right. So to have, um, you know, assemble that team of experts that are in your corner that can help you. So obviously that didn't happen for you, but then you went and found them. Yes. Yeah. So so that was part of your turnaround because you said like, whether it was taxes, you managed to resolve that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And do you have some advice for, um, our listeners around tax issues, as an example, in in startup? It's it's the age old rule is you are not going to be an expert in everything and don't try to. I tried to do my own business taxes for the first. That was just ridiculous. It was not my forte. It was not my strength. I didn't even want to take the time to do it right. I just wanted to get it done. And I paid dearly for it. Um, So had I do that again, Mm -hmm. hire professionals, get referrals to people who know it and do it well. Um, Your time is valuable. So spend it doing things that are going to make you money and pay other people to do the things that they are really good at. That is going to go so much farther than you trying to nickel and dime your way through professional service, um, you know, issues that you have. So there are some places you can save money. 
I don't think that legal and money are the places to do it as a startup. Well, and we've heard that consistently and we've had lots of experts on um, saying the exact same thing. And because the other thing is too, often, so not only, you know, in your case, if you say, ooh, I paid too much or, or wrong or I didn't pay enough and then I had to pay penalties and all of that, but also that there's things that you wouldn't know that you actually can deduct, Right? Like leave it to the experts who know it. That wasn't necessarily our case. (laughs) It wasn't a deduction thing. Ours actually, what got us was we had quite a few contractors. We were hiring people as contractors and then transitioning them over to employees. And when we did that, that triggered an audit from our payroll taxes. And um, uh, the CRA decided that you should have been hiring all of these people on as employees and paying remittances and taxes and all of that um, right up front. And that was news to me. I was like, well, they didn't have to come into the office. And anyways, there was all, there was all these things that I thought made somebody a contractor versus an employee and the CRI, CRA and I had different opinions on that. <laughs> and ultimately they won. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. was one, one instance. instance. Yeah. Um, but just yeah. as an example, then yeah. you yeah. talked about space, space and other challenges. Yes. Yeah. So anything you want to share in regards to that? From space, um, so a lot of a lot of the things from for us, we wanted to be very well. I wanted to be very um, modern and and progressive in all of those types of things. So we kind of went back and forth a few times. Do we have an office? Do we have an office downtown? Do we work remotely? Do we work remotely and then have you know use uh, breather offices for check ins? Uh, do we have an office and only have people come in? So we try to experiment with all of these things. Yeah. Do people need to have dedicated offices? Do we need to have cubicles? And in my attempt to try to get everything right, every or try everything once to see how it goes, um, we ended up damaging a lot of our our productivity just in the moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, and not really settling into anything long enough to test it um, and just getting caught up in the new, oh, well, open concept is the new new thing. Let's do that. Remote work is the new thing. Let's do that. Breather meetings are the new thing. So um, I never sort of sat down and thought, okay, what is productive for us mm-hmm. as our team? Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little reactive and have learned since then. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But that was one that was one challenge that uh, disrupted us a little bit more than we needed to. And I, and again, I didn't know I'd never run a business before, so right. I just thought whatever I read in you know Fast Company and Inc. and all of those sorts of things, they knew what they were doing, so I should do that thing. And mm-hmm. like I said, it's not always don't always just take one one piece of advice you get, check mm-hmm. out three or more and then make an educated mm-hmm. um, decision because otherwise you're just going to be doing knee jerk reactions like I did for so long. Mm-hmm. Such great insights. This is amazing. All right. So um, you've gone through a recent acquisition. And so, you know, what wisdom can you share with listeners about this whole experience? So, um, you know, it's your baby, you created it. And so I'm sure all kinds of, you know, mixed feelings come up when, you know, you're looking at an acquisition, pride and excitement, but also is this the right thing? And so just walk us through some of of that exciting journey. Yeah. So, um, we were just acquired in August. Uh, it was actually quite nice. We were in a good position. So for the longest time, uh, we had been approached previously 
four acquisitions and mergers. Uh, different companies. Different companies. Um, actually, the company that ended up acquiring us had offered about three years earlier to open the discussion. And at that time, I was like, no, I'm building the Shauna Empire. Go away. Right. You can be my client and give me money. But, you know, you can't uh, you can't. You, you don't can, own exactly, me. Exactly. Yeah. You don't own me. Um, and so at that time, I was still able to do some cool stuff that I wanted. But over the six years, so social media, as much as today, it's, you know, everybody knows it, everybody's on it, everybody has it. It's come a long way mm-hmm. in the last six years. Um, and I come from more of a comms and creative and marketing background um, and social media and digital media marketing, which is now more of the niche we're in, um, has evolved into be much more tech centric, much more tech heavy. And it was starting as much as I had the ideas and I understood the technology, I wasn't a builder and an expert in a lot of the technologies that were now coming into play. And I recognized pretty, um, pretty quickly that if I want to keep growing at the pace we're growing at, if I want to do cool things, then I can't stay and, and hang my social media marketing hat on old marketing ways, Mm -hmm. old, you know, and change is so rapid. Exactly. And so I knew that I needed to do something and we weren't in a position to go and acquire a technology company or build that division out on our own. We Mm -hmm. just weren't quite there. Plus I wasn't necessarily the right person to lead that because I didn't have that background. Um, So we had been approached by a a web development firm for a merger, possible merger moving together. Um, We got approached out of the blue for another um, agency that was looking to bring marketing in-house. And instead of developing their own uh, company, they were looking to acquire it. So we were already sort of having those conversations. And um, again, one of our clients, so as much as like my first business partner was a client, right? And then I'm talking to one of my clients and said, hey, it's pretty cool. We've got, just so you know, we've got these conversations conversations going on. So it's an exciting time. And the client, um, Iversoft, uh, we were just, you know, out chatting and, um, Graham from the Iversoft team looks at me and he says, we offered to buy you, like we offered to acquire you three years ago. And you said, no. And I'm like, I know, but it's different times. And like, we need different tools to move forward. And he looks at me right in the eye and he said, if anybody's going to acquire you, it's going to be us. <laughs> and 18 days later, wow. yes, it is absolutely crazy. The speed that we did this because they didn't want, we didn't want to compete. We didn't want there to be any other hiccups. Um, because uh, we had already sort of started due diligence with some other other places. Um, so we wanted to be nice and quick. We already had worked with Ibersoft. Um, so they had been a client. We had worked with them on some other client projects. Uh, so we already and knew And they have a the stellar team. reputation yes. too. And yeah. they're doing mm-hmm. amazing things. And mm-hmm. it just made sense, right? So we talked, talked that out a little bit more that night. And we're like, okay, well, what would that look like? And they were like, we just want you to do um, what you're doing now just under the Ibersoft umbrella. And then we can integrate all of our clients because we do have that technology platform, right? We do the app development. We do... Um, the web, the web development, we do touchscreen, we do AR, we do VR, we do all of these cool things and everybody needs to market them. And we need to, we can develop all of the analytics that goes with them and how that drives traffic and how that drives sales and whatever else our clients need. But we don't have that side of the business to support it, which is what we bring. Mm-hmm. So it made a lot of sense for our companies to come together. And so I would say the biggest takeaway from that would mm-hmm. be 
have great people around you, right? Like you do hear horror stories of from other companies that they go through acquisitions and it was just, you know, horrible and, 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 you know, horrible experiences. It was not like that at all for us. We already knew that like Iversoft already knew our processes. They already knew our team. Um, they actually knew some of our clients already. So basically it was just lifting up the hood from our financials. That was the only thing that they didn't have exposure to or familiarity to. We already knew the leadership team. Um, Vicky, Matt, uh, Graham, all from Iversoft, absolutely amazing people in the community and doing awesome things in there in at Iversoft. So it was having Match great made in people. Heaven. Yeah. yeah. It, and so... Okay, walk us through sort of the last day of your company and then the first day in, you know, because that's a big, big change. So yes. how, how was that for you as the creator and founder? And, uh, and then some insights on your team. Yeah, so the as much as the acquisition was very like the actual mechanics the process, the, uh, yeah. of the acquisition and the legal was very quick. Um, yeah. The transition for me mm-hmm. was, was quite a bit different. There were a lot of emotions I did not expect. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely went through phases of, um, you know, being totally lost, being mm-hmm. totally feeling um, unempowered, which, which I wasn't, but but it's that natural. It's yeah. it's kind of a grieving too, right? Very like much it's so. kind of you have to go through like a closing, yes. a proper closing of one, so that you can start a new in the new way. Yes, yeah, yeah. So um, moving over to like going into an office and then having to ask permission and like having to ask where pens were, like silly things, things like, like that, that actually impacted me massively because I was not used to knowing every, not knowing everything. Mm-hmm. I knew everything. I ran everything. If I and wanted you something, chose like. Yeah. You know, you, you, you uh, said, oh, we're going to have these pens and mm-hmm. right. Like your stamp was on yeah. everything in your own company. Exactly. So now I'm suddenly having to ask, where are the pens? Oh, we use these kinds of pens. And I know that's a small, weird detail, but, but it's, it's reflective. Like, it though. really is. And then that, the, as you go through absolutely everything, right. And you start talking about, um, you know, processes. So at first it's just things like bringing your things together into the same space and then packing up your box and closing the door for the last time. Exactly. Yeah. And that was, it was uh, much more emotional than I I thought it would be. And I kept on having to remind myself like, no, this is a good thing. This like, look at the bigger picture, Mm -hmm. look at how this is going to allow you to actually build your dream. You don't have to build your dream. Right. And I, I talk to founders about this all the time. Maybe you're not the best person to take your business to where it needs to go. You're the idea and nobody can take that away from you. But not everybody is meant to be the CEO. Not everybody is meant to be, you know, all of these things. Um, and if I want my dream to go where I need to go, and ultimately my dream is to build cool things, you know, push technology, be on the bleeding edge of marketing. And do I really need to run the company, quote unquote, if I'm doing that? No, I get to lead my division. And so I needed to keep reminding myself of that is like, you're not, you didn't get fired from your own company, right? Like you're doing everything you used to do. You just have so much more support now, but I had to keep reminding myself. And there were a few days where it was just, 
it was hard. Um, mm-hmm. And I would tell them if like, I would go into the office sometimes and I would just say, you know what, I'm not having a good day. Um, so I'm just going to do my stuff and I'm going to leave and just don't talk to me today because it's just, it's just, but uh, it was yeah. better to be upfront sure. um, that way and just say, Hey, I'm not dealing with this well today. Um, I'll be better tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And recognize it because anytime I tried to internalize it, people were like, oh, she's not happy here. Oh, we made a mistake. Oh, there's something right. we did. And it's like, no, it's just there's a lot of emotions going, going on. <laughs> on the roller coaster. Yeah. 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 I really appreciate your candor in this because, you know, it is the dream often to have your company acquired. But then there's the like. Yeah. But then you're actually acquired. So it's the, the after. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing but it yeah. but it's also you know brings up feelings so thank you for sharing those cuz it's really powerful to get a sense and also lets other people know yeah you probably could expect going through the same stuff mm-hmm. and so i think one one really quick thing on that um entrepreneurs all the time, like when they're out and about and they're talking about their business, they're always on, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime you ask an entrepreneur how things are going, it's great. It's amazing. We've got big things coming down the chute and yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> but the nice thing, one of the greatest things that has been absolutely amazing, even when I'm going through rough things um, yes. or when I was going through, transition's yeah. pretty much good. We're, we're on a good yeah. track right now. We're about three months into it. Um, but now having that team, I can be... Um, vulnerable. I have people that I can go in and say like, Hey, this is where my head's at. This is where, you know, my motivation's at. This is where things are going. Um, you know, can we talk it out? Right. And they're super supportive and I can be vulnerable and I can, we can talk about like hopes and dreams and like, okay, well, what are the little tweaks we need to do to make this better? And having that is way more of a comfort, like way more of a security blanket now than trying to do it all by myself, right? And trying to take it all and trying to figure it out all myself and always tell everybody that everything's fantastic and wonderful when I don't know what the heck I'm doing half of the time. <laughs> um, so it's nice to have that support. I still go out and still present and like, hey, everything's awesome. You know, things are going well. And now I can say that for real, but, you know, two months ago when it was still really fresh and I didn't know how I felt about everything and it was still an adjustment, um, I was still saying that publicly, but then I was able to go back to the team and sit down with Graham and Vicky and Matt and say, hey, you know what? Um, thanks for putting up with me. I'm having a, I'm having a crap go at it today, but it'll be better tomorrow work with me through this. And, you know, here are my challenges. Um, is there anything we can do together on that? So having people I can be vulnerable with and be honest about where I am in my journey has always been amazing. And that's been one of the most fantastic things um, through the acquisition is having great people that I can talk to. Well, and it sounds like there's something even bigger than that is that um, you're picky about who acquired you. Very. Yes. Right? <laughs> so yeah, you, you know, you landed with a great company mm-hmm. by design. Yes. And so then that also means that that additional support that you want and need is there for you. Right. So, you know, an important takeaway, I think, for our listeners is if you're thinking about going down this journey to really look carefully at what. Um, you know, what that company stands for? Is it aligned in terms of values? What's going to happen with the rest of your team? You know, you've got to ask those questions and find that comfort. Yes. 
So something else that you're very involved with, and we want to know how our listeners can get involved, Mm -hmm. is Founder Institute. Tell us what it is, why it matters, what you're up to with it. Give us the scoop. Mm -hmm. So Founder Institute, excuse me, is uh, an early stage startup accelerator. Um, We just do the the local chapter. So I run the local chapter here in Ottawa. It's been around since 2009. Um, It's based out of uh, Mountain View. Um, There are chapters all around the world. But basically what it is, is an early stage startup accelerator. It takes um, companies and even people that don't have company ideas, entrepreneurs that just want to start something, want to build something. And we take them from ideation to MVP, which is minimum viable product. And we do that in 14 weeks. on the flip side, we have a, a little bit more of an advanced track. So if you're, let's say, a technical co- a technical founder and you've built something and you're like, I've got this cool thing, but you're kind of like me and you have no idea how to take it to business or now to run a what? business. Exactly. Yeah. You're in that now yeah. what phase and you don't know what you don't know, which is part of why I love this program because – I love to say, and I've done, I've done kind of the, the backwards math. If I had had something like Founder Institute when I started, those two years of pain <laughs> yeah. would have been like w- wouldn't have happened first right. of all because I would have had this is what you do next. These are the next steps. Fourteen These are weeks, to, exactly. Right. Fourteen <laughs> weeks. You learn it yeah. all. It's a hardcore boot camp. You have a networking every place. day. Can you walk us through it? Is it like yeah. Monday to Friday? Um, like, so it's what happened. Uh, so it's a. Um, it's about 20 hours a week um, of work that uh, 20 to 30 hours a week that the founders go through. You come in on Monday nights. We run the program on Monday nights here in Ottawa. Um, and on Monday nights, you hear from three mentors who have built companies here in Ottawa. They've done it either, either an exit or they're running a successful company or they, they're part of a bunch of successful companies. And they tell you how they did whatever the topic of that week is. So let's say that top that topic that week is revenue models, right? They'll say, okay, this is how we figured out and tested our revenue models. This how we diversified our revenue model. Um, these are all the different things we took into consideration when we calculated our revenue. And they'll speak to whatever their expertise and their thoughts are. And they are all um, mentors from Ottawa companies, which I think is very, very valuable because yeah. there's this myth out there that you can't build a company in Ottawa. And that's just craziness. So I love the fact that we've been able to put together an all-star team. So the mentors are there. Then all of the founders come up and pitch. So they have to pitch where they are in development of their idea. And they've got a three-minute pitch. And then those mentors give feedback um, on the pitch. And then so that whole section takes about three hours for the uh, mentors to talk and then the founders to pitch. And then we all go off and sort of have uh, have drinks and have chats and just like find out where everybody is. But then whatever that topic was, the founders have 20 to 30 weeks of work they have to do. They have a week to polish that part of their business. So if it's a revenue uh, revenue themed week, then they've got a week to figure out all the different types of revenue that they can have, figure out what the whole revenue model is, um, ask all the questions. We provide them all with worksheets. They have the mentors they can check in with and they come back in the next week and they present that in their pitch um, and new mentors come in and teach them about the next thing. So maybe that's um, advisors and teams, how to do your first hire. And so then they they talk about that. And then they've got a week to figure out, okay, what types of advisors do I need? Who's my first hire need to be? What are my strengths and weaknesses? And do I need a co-founder? Right? So that's, it's that type of intensity. Um, 
And yeah, it's an amazing program. Um, we had in the last 12 months, we've graduated 12 new founders here in Ottawa. So very, very excited to see that. Um, and we've had some amazing companies come out of it. So can't wait to see where they go in the next little while. And so, so break it down for us, because it sounds like a remarkable opportunity. So in terms of, so there's an application process? Yes. Yeah. yeah so we're so actually- This is on the website? website? Yes. yes. Fi.co. Yep. Fi.co. So the initials for Founder Institute. So Fi dot co um and then you go to Ottawa and it has all of the application information there. We actually have our next cohort starting in January. Um uh, and so they're January. already selected? Uh, so, so yeah. or, or applications are still applications open right now. Applications are open right now. And, um, the next cohort starts in the last week of January. Um, and yeah, we usually have one to two cohorts, um, in Ottawa per year. Okay. Um, and, and what about the rest of the country? Uh, so there are also chapters in Montreal, Toronto, uh, Waterloo and Vancouver. Um, and then of course all over the world, but those are the, the Canadian chapters that are all very active. And the timelines are different in each city. Yes. yes they're up they're to the directors the of the program. So, so you go to the website. Mm-hmm. Find your city yes. and then see what you need. Okay, exactly. so that's the first thing. You apply. Is there a cost to participate? Yes. So um, there is a tuition fee. Now that varies per city. So you okay. have to check out on um, on the actual application what your fee is there. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Founder Institute does take a percentage um, of equity in the company as well in the form okay. of warrants. Um, it's pretty standard for incubators and accelerators to do that type of thing. So that is something that Founder Institute does as well. And what's that percentage? Um, so it's 4%, I believe, in all of the Canadian companies currently. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. And um, in terms of the application, how... Um, you know, how much work goes into, what are you expecting from, um, you know, founders to, to get ready to apply? Yeah. So this is where we're quite a bit different from other accelerators and incubators, because you do not need to pitch an idea. You can pitch an idea. If you already have a business idea and you're already working on it, that's great. But if you have a couple, um, or you don't, you're not really sure you want to do something and you don't know exactly what the business idea is. Mm -hmm. Our entire application process starts with what we call our DNA test. Um, and it's all based around, are you the personality? Uh, do you have the attributes of the type of person that would succeed in this type of program? Um, and so you take that personality test, that DNA test, um, and that- Is that something you guys created? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so it was cool. something that yeah. Founder Institute created, and it's very different than any other like Myers-Briggs or Colors or any other test that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give a, little, give a little insight, when I did the test myself, mm-hmm. um, and I've done tons and tons of tests, sure. right, yeah. uh, for various different uh, different reasons. And I got this one back and they're like, oh, you have a red flag on your personality. There's one thing that um, is, would, wah, wah, would, yeah, wah. exactly, would, <laughs> would you know, hold you back from being a successful entrepreneur. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? And they're like, it's a pretty big red flag. You're too agreeable. And I'm like, I have never in my life, like I've been told that I'm agreeable before, but I've never been told that's a bad attribute to have. Um, And they're like, well, you know, if you're trying to change the status quo, if you're trying to do these things, you need to be aware that your initial tendency, as soon as somebody says no to you or pushes back or criticizes your idea is to take them at their word and leave them alone and move on. So if you want to be like a really change uh, forward entrepreneur, you need to be aware of this. And here are the skills and tools on how to address that. I'd be really interested to know um, what the results, uh, you know, in terms of gender, because men and women do business differently. Mm-hmm. And so it would be interesting to know um, how gender plays into, and I don't know if you track that kind of data. Um, we do. 
we actually do have an entire session. We did it about, I'm trying to think about three months ago, and I don't remember the stats off the top uh-huh. of my head, but yes, they watch, they look at all of these numbers very, very closely. Um, I know we were more, uh, we did a presentation more on the different types of communities. So like, what do you, uh, what are the scores in the UK? How are they different than North American scores? And then how are developing countries different than, um, you know, different level, different, uh, different developing level countries? And what are those, what are the types of attributes that they score high on? Uh, what types of companies does that, do they build when those are those attributes and those skills that they have? So I know that we do have all of that. I don't know the numbers off of, off the top of my head. For for me, it would be really fat because this we're focused on women entrepreneurs today. It would be very interesting to know Mm -hmm. uh, the differences in each of those regions, Mm -hmm. but also in terms of gender, right? So do men and women score really differently, which, you know, maybe they do. It would be, it would be interesting to know. And also how many, you know, are we talking about a small percent? Like if you think about each of your cohorts, can you give us a sense of what's that going to look like? And I know each time it's different, but how many, um, what's kind of the, the gender balance in a cohort that you've seen? So we've only run two here in Ottawa so far. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we've had lower than we would have liked um, uh, women apply to the program. Uh, mm-hmm. We've only had uh, one uh, female graduate so far, um, mm-hmm. but Founder Institute has a huge focus on uh, growing female businesses. They actually have a female fellowship out there. So if you um, apply um, as a woman, uh, there's actually they actually sponsor a, a tuition for one woman in every city around the world that applies for this. Yeah. To encourage women to apply, to take that risk, to, to get in and and start businesses. Um, uh, we really put that to the forefront in this third, in this third cohort that we were recruiting for to the point where we had a, uh, female round table, uh, event that we hosted, uh, about, about a month ago. And we had, we were, we pulled in all of our female mentors and, uh, we packed, we packed the room. It was absolutely awesome to see so many women come out. And it could be that we just didn't do a good job in Ottawa saying, you know, reaching that audience that Mm -hmm. just the default audience skewed more male. Mm -hmm. Um, but as soon as we started saying, Hey women, this is for you, you can be here. Here's a whole bunch of other women led businesses and and women mentors here in Ottawa that have done it. Mm -hmm. Um, come on out. And as soon as we sort of put that call out there, we started to see the applications. And I would say right now our applications are about, um, uh, two to one. So we've got like two, two, two guys for every, every woman that's a, that's applied right now, which is is we'd love to see more, mm-hmm. um, but it's still, the number's growing. So that's exciting for me. Sure. Well, yeah. And you're bringing a passion and, and, and excitement to it. So um, we've got to get more women yes. out there for you. Yes. And so the website is fi.co. We have been speaking with Shauna Tragana today. Um, what other advice would you like to offer our listeners today as we wrap up? Just surround yourself with great people. Go and find more people and never stop. You can never have too many mentors. You can never have too many friends. You can have never too many opinions uh, to draw from. And you will only ever learn more and grow more as an entrepreneur and as a person um, when you have more people supporting you and more people that you can talk to.
We have been speaking with Shauna Tragana. She is an entrepreneur, a community builder, a digital guru, and quite an inspiring young woman here sharing with us her life as the founder and director of the Ottawa chapter of the Founder Institute. And also, what is your formal role with Iversoft, please? Uh, the title is Director of Digital Services. Yeah, there we go. I still have to look it up myself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, you've you've been acquired. This is uh, an exciting time and uh, thank Thank you so much, Shauna, for coming here today and sharing all of your insights with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on The Thrive Podcast, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to find resources designed to support thriving women-owned businesses across Canada. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. And to learn about the latest startup community news and events like our popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, I'm Janice McDonald, leaving you now with a sneak peek of our next episode. This is Barb Orser, Deloitte Professor at the Telfer School of Management, University of Ottawa, and you're listening to the Thrive Podcast with Janice McDonald. So they exist. So what are some of the stereotypes around women uh, in entrepreneurship? Well, I think there there are a lot of stereotypes and, and we need to bust these myths. <laughs> For example, the stereotype of the captive industry and the technocentric business um, that has little room for feminine capital. Um, when we think about women entrepreneurs, we tend to heavy up on the idea of social enterprise and, and both perceptions are accurate. Mm -hmm. Women are operating um, businesses in every sector. Mm -hmm. um, some are growing, some are not. Mm -hmm. um, and some by design. And right? Absolutely. Some people say right now, this is exactly how I want my business to be, give or take a little bit of growth. This is all I can manage right now. Correct. For other reasons. Yeah. 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 And mm -hmm. so without judgment, um, we have to recognize there are different perceptions of success. Mm -hmm. You know, we tend to think about growth and that growth is usually defined by revenue. Mm -hmm. um, but we know that uh, women appreciate community contribution. Women appreciate the opportunity to bring products to market. Uh, women appreciate the opportunity to support other women through their businesses. Sure and um, so those are indicators of success mm -hmm. that we need to celebrate as mm -hmm. opposed to just employment growth and revenue growth. Right. Yeah.